Today's Tuesday, June 9th, 2020, and this week on the Birdland BS Podcast, we're talking old school versus the new era in this week's Flock News. The Orioles put the final touches on their draft plans for tomorrow. The Terps football team get the thumbs up to start voluntary workouts. And Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, and Dalvin Cook in this week's rundown? Stay tuned. So let's take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred Scott and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Sports, they got it. When excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. 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 <laughs> You put us on mute, Fred. Hey, I didn't want anybody hearing the mouth breathing and everything that goes on. I wanted it to be smooth. Hey, now you're really confusing about the whole BS thing. <laughs> put him on mute. What's up, BSers? Everybody out there in Facebook world as we are live to Facebook and Facebook only tonight. So we're having some technical difficulties through Restream. I'm not even going to blame this on us. This is no, our fault. This is completely Restream. 100% Restream. And I ta- By the way, just so you know, when I when I made the post on Twitter, I tagged their butts in it. Yeah. I Good. said, some Good. issues with Restream. Big shout out to the guys over at StreamYard who put a free product together and allowed <laughs> yeah, right. us to have a backup plan for tonight to, to at least give you platform. something. <laughs> hey, I'll take one. One's better than nothing, man. I was having a heart attack over here, not knowing what we were going to do next. But yeah, right. There's always a backup plan. So we got a lot to talk about on tonight's show. Some some fun topics, some interesting twists, uh, so, some things that I saw through one of our partners on uh, on Twitter. I thought would be an interesting debate yeah. topic. Uh, we're gonna get into that with the Ravens, so it should be a lot of fun with that. Uh, as I said, Orioles getting prepped for draft night tomorrow night, seven p.m. Excited. Should excited. be fun. Should be fun. Uh, I should be more excited than I am, but I'm just not there with it yeah. yet. Well. We'll, we'll see what happens tomorrow. I'll probably start counting down the hours once, once I wake You're up You're more so annoyed with the situation than anything else. <laughs> yeah, very annoyed with the situation. I think everybody else out there is, too. Uh, the, the Terps are getting closer to potentially a football season, as voluntary workouts have now at least been approved. I mean, it's a step workout. in the right direction. Right. So, hey, I'll take every step we can get at this point. Something towards a sports season, something towards a football season. I'm good with it. And then in the rundown, we got a lot to cover, but I thought taking it back, we talked old school versus new era, this whole topic that we got going on. We're taking it back to 98 and that whole home run battle between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa chasing Roger Maris. Should be a lot of fun. You were like 20 back then, right? (laughs) I was 16. Fucker. (laughs) One far off. And their winner sponsorship. (laughs) (laughs) For all you guys out there, speaking of sponsors, we do, we do want to remind you, uh, if you've ever been in an auto accident and weren't sure who to call, 855-MD-CRASH. And the Maryland personal injury attorneys that will have your back. If you find yourself in that unfortunate situation, and I know I have, give our team, a cra- uh, team at MD-CRASH a call right away. <laughs> we all know the cost of medical bills, lost wages, and pain and suffering can all add up quickly and potentially put you in a bad financial place. If you want a t- team that will handle your case, big or small, and just give you some peace of mind, save this number now. 855-MD-CRASH. That's if I can get through it. 855-632-7274. Be sure to follow them on Facebook. Facebook only. Screw Twitter and screw YouTube at this point. For fun giveaways, including tickets to some of our hometown teams, hopefully, and some gift cards to some cool restaurants. 
what the hell I was doing there? I mean, that's like, <laughs> it's like the first time I had ever read it. it flipping through, like, where, where is it? I don't even know where it is. What are these things in front of me? Oh, man. All right, so it's time for some flock news. Uh, before we get into some of the, the real fun topics that I think will we'll be interesting debates for It'll you and I. It'll be an interesting debate, for sure. Uh, some news with the NFL as a whole, as coaches – we're now granted yeah. to come back to the team facilities. John Harbaugh and the coaching staff reported yesterday, uh, returned to uh, you know everything at, at, at Owings or not Owings Mills at uh, uh, the Under Armour Under training, training facility. Center. Yeah, I don't know how much this really means. I mean, they they at one point prior to this, they were allowed seventy five quote unquote staff members and coaches and players weren't allowed to go back. This now increases them to a hundred hundred maximum in the you know in the facility at yeah. one time, including coaches. Eh, I, I don't really think a whole lot changes. I no. mean, I guess really it, you're just getting kind of away from the home distractions, you know, that you try to limit your family and things, just the things that happen day to day around the house. Right. You're getting away from some of the distractions. You're able to be maybe potentially a little bit more focused. Uh, you know, you don't have to worry about, uh, connection issues. Yeah. Uh, we talked about you know the idea of the Patriots stealing. That was apparently a, a real big thing. It wasn't just them thinking the Patriots are going to steal, but the the security of the network at that point. Yeah. Um, and people being able to jump into Zoom calls and different things like that, which I get. Yeah. I guess that's a good point. And then the other part of it, I guess, is just getting over the mental fatigue of just constantly <laughs> being home, right? Actually getting yeah. out. I, I mean, I know how it is just like getting out and being able to do this show here versus doing it virtually or getting out and just being able to go to the grocery store, things like that, that you took it's for huge. granted before. Now you get to actually go back to the office. You get to go back and work. Uh, so I guess that's a mental hurdle for yeah, them to get over. It's about all it is. I guess the big question is how long before players are permitted to go back? That's kind of the next big hurdle. That'll be obviously the first step towards an actual season potentially happening. Considering that they're letting the coaches in, I don't. I think they're going to go with the coaches for maybe you know two, maybe three weeks. This is kind of my thought process, right? You let the coaches go for two or three weeks. You make sure there's no major issues that pop up. If there is an issue, you know, you look at it, you you assess the situation, and say, okay. If you can have a successful, you know, basically the, the coaches are the guinea pigs at this point, right? Right. Because they're going to be tests going in and out of facilities in most cases. Uh, you know, you're going to have to do temperature checks, like all sorts of different things. So I think they're the guinea pigs. If it were, if it's working in three weeks, you haven't had any cases show up or, you know, any any scares. I, I think you're, you're looking at the players at that point okay. and allowing the players to come in. And, and it'll probably be a tiered system to bring the players in. It'll just like it would be normally you you probably see the rookies come in first right so they can they need the most time with understanding the system understanding right. the, the you know the, the team then you'll start seeing you know some of the maybe some of the vets trickle in uh, and you'll really start seeing them get into camp and i'm just curious even then what's camp going to look like what's right. the physical contact going to be looking like in this game right, right. so yeah, I mean, well, the other thing it's got to it's got to clear too is, and one thing that the NFL has done well, and I think has has been good, is they've kept the competitive balance even, right? So they right. gotta they gotta make sure that if they do allow players to go back, that that's even able to happen on a state to state level where right. all these teams' training facilities are. So they got to get over that hurdle first before the NFL can kind of 
issue out that kind of change down low. If but, WWE can do it, they should be able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> WWE, UFC, I mean, all these all these uh, sports are back up and running. But the NFL is a little bit different of an animal. It's a lot more yeah. players. It's a lot more personnel. There's a lot more, uh, you know, like you said, physical contact yeah. and whatnot. So there's a lot more hurdles for the NFL to, to go through. Do the sidelines get expanded, right? You're going to have to expand the sidelines in order to account for, you know, six-foot distancing, that kind of stuff. I just Are you going to do an MLB and open up the stands and have them sit in the stands? I don't <laughs> – like, the, the whole fan thing is a whole nother aspect. I'm going to get into that in a second. But, like, the players doing – like, distancing, what, what good does that do you if there's going to be physical contact right. on the field? <laughs> you're in the trenches anyway. Regardless, right, yeah. exactly. You're you're hitting the same equipment through training. You're doing – you know, you're, you're sweating. You're, you're, you know, you're constantly spreading germs and spreading things that there's really no way in football to completely avoid it. No, no. You, you know what I mean? You, you were – you're so spot on with that because you're – I mean, I, I just the only thing I can say is that they're going to say, well, when you're not playing, you need to be apart, right? Right. You know, spreading out and you sp you spread out the where players are getting um, any, you know, any looks, any injury looks. You know, maybe maybe it's you have to go in to the, into the facility for injury injury checks. Right. Uh, there's no blue tent this year. You know, you got to think about stuff like that. Yeah. Your gate. How are you going to do Gatorade and drinks? Right. Right. You you, you can't can't exactly just have cups sitting out on the sideline all the time. Right. Each player might have their own cup. I don't know how. I don't know it's, how you're gonna do it. It's gonna be interesting. Timeouts, right? Coming out with the spray bottle. I mean, I guess they spray it, but whatever. But half these guys spit it right back out. Right. All right. You got to have a bottle for each player now. Yeah. Which I think is in preparation, and this is what I wanted to get to. Right. You talked about a, up to a hundred um, people now allowed, in, including coaches. I think that's where some of those extra staffers come in. Right, they come in for purposes of making sure that the their you know social distancing or the medical side of things, being able to bring in additional staff for that, or you know additional training staff or recondi or conditioning staff. Right. So, I think it plays a huge role. There's so many question marks that are going to come out of this. Well, after all that, and if there is some sort of of season for the NFL, which yeah. I, I I do think that the 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 NFL will get this figured out. I do think that there will be a season. It's just a matter of the next step would be, will that be with or without fans? And if it is with fans, is that 100% capacity? Is that 50% capacity? Is it 25% capacity? How do they figure out who gets into these stadiums and who doesn't? You got season ticket holders versus single ticket buyers. You know, you got all these things that they're going to have to figure out a way to, to make sense of, right? right? But I had been wondering for weeks now, like what the financial impact might look for all teams might look like for all, all right. teams. Right. And the Houston Texans actually put out an article the other day that I thought was pretty, uh, pretty good. It broke it down. They're estimating that they would lose $218 million in revenue. If fans are not allowed into stadiums at all. Right. That's about 43% of their total annual revenue, which is just crazy to think of, you know, you're pushing 50% of revenue. Yeah. At that point, right? The implications of that, right? Let's just kind of go off on this for a second. What's going to happen next year? If you don't have fans, and that, that's what winds up happening, next year ticket prices go up because they need to make some of that money back. Right. Concessions go up. We talked about this with MLB. MLB and, and the NFL have done a good job. The Ravens have done a good job. I think Atlanta set the tone with getting some of the ticket prices and getting some of the uh, some of the concessions down right. as far as cost. Now those are going right back up to try to offset some of this revenue. The uh, the downside to that, if you don't do that, if you're going to keep things where they are, 
then I think we're talking lower salary cap for next year. And that's what I was saying a couple weeks ago, is this absolutely will have a trickle-down effect on the salary cap, which has to play in the mind of Eric DaCosta when he starts thinking about restructuring some of these new right. contracts or maybe extending somebody earlier and then you know than you normally would because you don't know what the salary cap's going to look like last year no. or next year and you don't want to handicap yourself so with that said knowing that that's going to be a big hurdle for owners is making up this revenue what are some ways that they could make up revenue and you know me I'm I think outside of the box, like I like to think of like creative ways that, you know, teams could come up. We talked about it with baseball and all <laughs> the that baseball target practice, right? Well, the NFL, you know, I thought you brought up a good point. And I think Deshaun Jackson actually made mention of it where they talked about the potential of miking up players, kind of like what oh, the yeah. XFL did, right? So the NFL could come up with a quote unquote pay-per-view version of games where you're okay. going to get the same TV revenue that you would get from all the ratings that you normally would get, which is actually going to increase now because all Less those people fans, that were yeah. in the stands are now going to be watching it on TV. So that's going to increase on its own. Then you add another layer to it of pay-per-view features where you watch a totally different broadcast that has these extra features. If you want to watch it, and you know how these diehard fans are, and you know you and I, I know I'd pay for it. Yeah. I know I would, hands down. Yeah. If it gives you some kind of behind-the-scenes glimpse into things they can't go into too crazy much because they don't want to give you know trade yeah, secrets away and that kind of stuff but just certain things it doesn't have to be anything crazy microphones different camera angles different interviews during was, the game they have an have an in-game interview just like they did right on the sideline there after a touchdown what do you think it like exactly nothing guys, nothing that cbs nbc or any of these guys are privy to this right. would have to be something completely above and beyond what the NFL is broadcasting it, on regular TV. It would be the it would be the NFL Red Zone 2.0. Yeah, essentially, but you know, pay-per-view right. more than just a $6 a month, you know, per, uh, you know, subscription. Yeah, you're going to you're going to be paying 20 or 30 dollars a month for that if if not more. Exactly. But people would do it. Right. So I mean, I think that would be one avenue cuz you're talking about like I said 43% and and I started looking at the numbers. They're estimating it'll be anywhere between 40 and 50% yeah. For most teams, just kind of depending upon where you fall in that. But uh, the Texans were at 43. It's a huge, yeah. huge number. It's it's ridiculous when you sit there and, and think about like the amount of money. This is why it's a billion dollar industry. Yeah. Right. But this billion dollar industry is even struggling at this time. Right. Agreed. They're struggling for funds. Now, the owners, let's let's kind of talking, you know, about the MLB owners last week. The NFL owners, Steve Bashotti's not hurting for money. No. I mean, he's just doing donate. everything he can to donate and help towards all these causes. Exactly. One of the best owners. Shout out to Steve Bishotti. One of the best owners in not just football, all of professional sports. What he's done in the community uh, as far as giving back. Towards, 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 towards uh, the, the justice reform. Yeah. Right? You know, just putting, putting money out there towards that. Like, this is a guy that's, in a sense, putting his money where his mouth is. Right. Right? He's standing behind... You know the 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 cause and what he feels and what he's thinking and he's saying, all right, I'm gonna. Be, and he's one of the first ones to step forward and do so, right? Which just yeah. sets the tone at that point. Yeah, that's very true. So another a topic that I wanted to bring up and and shout out to our counterparts over at Ebony Bird, specifically Chris Schisler. He wrote an article that I thought would be a brilliant topic of debate. Something that I thought would be fun. Obviously, okay. right now we're kind of we're kind of struggling for topics to talk about on a week to week basis, just because there really isn't a whole lot going on in the <laughs> sports world. But I thought this article was well written, and I thought it was a great, great topic. 
but he started he he wanted to talk about how would this 2020 Ravens team stack up against our two Super Bowl teams 2000 and 2012 if they were to go head to head with each other okay who wins and what would the matchup look like right so we'll start we'll start with the 2000 team right which many consider the greatest defense of all time. I mean, if you I, ask, I don't even know that there's an argument. If you ask any Ravens fan, they're going to tell you the greatest defense of all time. Yeah. You ask many NFL fans, they're in the top three, top five discussion, hands down. Yeah. And it, you know, people give up. It's 1A, 1B, 1C. Exactly. They yeah. kind of rotate around. So when you start looking at this, right, and you start, you know, we, we're all excited about what the potentials are for this 2012 team. We saw them run 14-2 and two last year. Obviously, they came up short in the playoffs in the first round. Right. But they went 14-2 and two last year uh, in Lamar Jackson's first season, right? We all know that they broke the rushing record in the NFL last year. They added to that rushing squad, bringing yeah. a guy, a big playmaker like J.K. Dobbins, right? Right. Uh, you do lose some, you know, some help on the offensive line and losing your best offensive lineman in Marshall Yonda. So right. we, we know we've we've gone through all this. I don't need to go down the list of what we've got right now in 2020. But what's funny is I started looking at 2000, and I'm, you know, obviously 2000. I was graduating high school. I was a huge Ravens fan, and I remember how good that defense was. Right. But you really don't remember just how dominant they were statistically until you go back and look at these Just numbers. Look at some of the stats. Exactly. Yeah, when you start looking at these numbers, right, they only allowed 2.7 yards per carry yeah. as a team. That's insane. The, le the league average that year was 4.1. The league average, we were at 2.7 for the entire season, right? That equated to 61 yards per game. The league average was 114. Cut it in half in both both sets. Exactly. Right? Like not just not just That's the just... best defense that year. Like again, like we said, best defense all time. And there's no debate when you talk about rushing defense. In yeah. my opinion, rush defense. There's no debate. And if anybody wants to debate that with me, well, I'll go toe to toe with you. Especially like you know, you're, I'm glad you kind of brought that up. Especially look back at some of the guys that they were facing back then. Right. Right. These were you know. An Eddie George, a Jerome Bettis, like guys that were known to be physical runners that could run your ass over. Yep. yep. And they kept those, they kept everybody as a whole to 2.7. It's damn impressive. Yeah. And then you got to think, right? In 2000, Ray was in his fourth year. So you got Ray right. Lewis in the prime of his career. In the prime of his prime. We all know what he was when he was as dominant as he could be, the sideline to sideline speed. Yeah. How does that match up? against this 2020 Ravens rushing squad. How does a, a, a Ray Lewis in the prime of his career handle the speed and the athleticism of Lamar Jackson? You know, that's, you got, you're talking about one of the most intelligent football players, IQ, football IQ right. in Ray Lewis of all time. And, you know, talent-wise, he is the greatest linebacker of all time. How does he match up with, with, with Lamar Jackson and that running game? You've got bookends on that defense in, in Rob Burnett and Michael McCrary. Right. You've got Peter Bulware rushing the passer. You had Goose in there too, didn't you? you uh, you've got the big bodies in the middle. You've got <laughs> Goose and you've got Sam Adams clogging the holes in the middle. You're not running through the middle against that defense. No. 
So how do those two stack up against each other? That I mean, just that defense is insane. And then you add Chris McAllister and Dwayne Starks. Right. Another savvy vet in Rod Woodson, all in the back end. I don't know if if anybody outside of Chris McAllister is going to be able to compete with Hollywood Brown as far as speed goes. So that would be one avenue that I think the 2020 team could expose maybe a right. little bit would be the secondary. Yeah, I think I think with Lamar, as long as the evolution continues, I think that that's one place they would have him. But to your point, going back to the running game for a second, the ability Lamar, everybody talks about Lamar's ability to to you know look at what a defense is doing, make the adjustment when he, when it comes to his run game. We've seen the shimmies, we've right. seen the shakes, we've seen the stutter step stops and go. We've seen it all. The difference with a guy like Ray Lewis, you know, you talked about football IQ. This is a guy, him and Ed Reed are two guys that Bill Belichick hated to face because these two guys were so good at predicting what you were getting ready to do. Right. You know, now, Ed Reed wasn't on this team yet. That's Ed Reed, no, no. And yeah. And that's But I'm saying. Th those two, those two yeah. guys fit into that category. Right. right. So when it comes to to Ray and what he was able to do in 2000, think about that. He's able to do that in 2000 without Ed Reed. Right. So right. what he, he's able to bring to the table from that football IQ perspective, the way he could shoot the A-gap, right? He could stuff you down the middle, but he could, like you said, sideline to sideline, he could chase your ass down. Right. I don't know. I, I love Lamar. I don't know that a Lamar could defeat a Ray. In the prime of his career. In the prime of his career. And I'm gonna I'm gonna add a stipulation. I'm gonna say more than once. If he does beat him, it's just by enough. And it, with Ray, it's never gonna happen they again. They had such an athletic linebacker core. I mean, like I said, you talk Ray Lewis, you talk Peter Bowler, you talk Jamie Sharper. They had linebackers galore out yeah. there. That you're talking one of the greatest running defenses of all time versus strength versus strength versus one of the greatest rushing attacks, the greatest rushing attack statistically of all time. Yeah, that's where the bullhorns are gonna clash. Right? It's gonna be those two. The I think, like I said, if any, if there, if the 2020 team has any shot, it's going to be they're going to have to beat them over the top. They're going to have yeah. to beat them through the air. But there's nothing to shake a stick at with this secondary. Like I said, when you talk McAllister, Starks, Woodson, they had 23 interceptions that season, 23, and they only gave up 11 touchdowns through the air. Yeah. 16 game season, they only gave up 11 touchdowns through the air. They gave up. 10.3 points per game as a say, team. I knew it was something ridiculously low. Right. Like 10 points a game, that's unheard of now. That's why Trent Dilfer was able to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> exactly. 10.3 points let's, per game. Let's be real. Did Trent Dilfer game really manager. win a Super Bowl? <laughs> he was a game manager. Listen, yeah. he didn't hurt the team. Sure. To Brian's point, he didn't hurt the team. He did enough to win those games. And, and, and what was, I thought, most impressive with that 2000 team was that four game playoff stretch that they went on to win the Super Bowl in four games. Now this is the playoffs. This is the best of the best, right? Four games. They gave up a total of 23 points in four games again, against the best. Again, when you're going up best against the best, you don't hear that anymore, right? Because it's it, the game has changed, right? Previously defense won championships, right? Past few years, last year being probably you know the most obvious, 
offense can win championships too. The NFL has changed a lot yes. from 2000 to 2020 in 20 years. Golly, it's been 20 years since that Super Bowl. Yikes. <laughs> But since that Super Bowl, the NFL, the style of game, the the way that the you know rules are being played now are yeah. totally different. But all right, so I'm gonna put you on the spot. 2020 oh, versus 2000 Ravens, who wins? In today's game, today's game, today's rules, all things equal to today. 2020 versus Ravens versus 2000. I, I gotta go. I, I I'm sorry. I gotta go to the 2000. I. You don't have to apologize. I 100% agree with I, you. I, I, I want to, as much as I want to say this team, there was just so much. While we didn't have the offensive side of the ball, our defense, and that was one of the things I didn't, I, we didn't get the chance to pull. Our defense scored almost as many points as our offense. Right. On a regular basis. Right. Because the the interceptions for TDs you talked about, I think 23 or 11 TDs through the air that they gave up, they had 23 interceptions. Yep. A good portion of those interceptions got run back. I want to say it was somewhere in the realm of 8 to 10. Yeah. The and defense then, was constantly putting points on the board. Exactly. Constantly. And then being able to, you know, to, to keep them back and put put Dilfer in a position where you, dude, you got four chances to get 10 yards. That, and you've got the greatest, one range. of the greatest kickers of all time and Matt Stover exactly. out there not missing anything. No, no. I'm with you. I like, as much as I love this 2020 team, as much as I love Lamar Jackson, as much as I love this offense, that 2000 Ravens team, Hands down, hands down, it's hands down the best Ravens team of all time, right? Uh, but hundred percent. But we got to look, right? We talked about the the other team that won the Super Bowl, the the, the twenty twelve, right? So yeah. that's that's where this is where I think this year's team has the best opportunity. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, you you when you think of two thousand twelve, you think of the historical run that they kind of went on in the playoffs. You know, the magic that was Joe Flacco and yeah. Anquan Bolden and everything that they did in that playoff run, it was magical. But what you don't remember is that 2012 team barely made the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. They were 10 they and limped 6. into the playoffs. They were 10 and 6. They had to fire their offensive coordinator, Cam Cameron, in the middle of the year and replace him with Jim Caldwell. Now, totally different team. Yeah. Once Jim Caldwell took over, the offensive game plans, the play calling was totally different, and you got to see Joe Flacco kind of flourish yeah. under Jim Caldwell. But, again, we just went down all the numbers of what that defense was in 2000, right? 2020 versus 2012, the numbers are completely different. Yeah. This team ranked 19th, talking about 2012, ranked 19th in total offense and 25th in total defense. Ray Lewis not in his prime. Does that sound great? Not in his prime. 19th in total offense and 25th in total defense. Doesn't sound like a Ravens team. Does that sound like a Super Bowl team? Yet alone a Ravens team. Does that sound like a Super Bowl team? There's 32 yeah, teams. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There's 32 teams. We're 19th and 25th. But to your point, you know, you had the transition in the, in the, right. the beginning of the year, the middle of the year that it winds up happening. Not that that's playing an effect on the defense, but when your offense is able to do more on the field and keep the defense off the field, right. your defense is able to get refreshed. Now they're able to come out. That's why that second half they they you know they they limped in, but they got through and they got into the playoffs and then showed what they can. They do. They were the epitome of just get in. Yeah, you know we talk about it all the time. Just get into the playoffs. Just make it because any team, I don't care if you're a wild card team or you're a number one seed. What did the fourteen and two record get us last year? Right. <laughs> we got out in the first round. The Ravens just got in the playoffs in 2012 at ten and six. Just nosed in. 
and they won a Super Bowl. Because why? They got hot at the right time. Things changed. Things came together. You can call it fate with, you know, Ray Lewis's last ride and all that. But everything kind of aligned for that 2012 yeah. team to get that Super Bowl. But I, listen, there would be some interesting matchups nonetheless in this game. I mean, you talk oh, yeah. about Anquan Bolden going against Marlon Humphrey. Oh, yeah. That would be a, that'd be a great matchup. One of the most physical re uh, receivers in Ravens history against one of our most physical corners in history, one of our best corners in our history. Agreed. That would be a crazy matchup. I think one area for the 2012 team that might be able to expose a little bit would be Torrey Smith versus Marcus Peters. And I always say that, and I, thought they, I think they made this point in the article too. You get Torrey Smith, who's a down-the-field burner. Right. Marcus Peters... He's a big play guy, right? He always tries to make the big play, and sometimes he can bite off a little bit more than he can chew, yeah. and he'll jump the bullet a little early. So I think if 2012 team has any chance to kind of go after and expose this defense, it's going to be against Marcus Peters and Torrey Smith. But, yeah, well, say, but when it comes to Marcus Peters, Marcus Peters is also good at reading quarterbacks. He absolutely is. And that's where Flacco has struggled good in, point. The, in the past. So now that, that what you think is a downfall – He's able to jump some some of those small routes that Torrey Smith doesn't get those deep balls. That's a good point. I, I but I do think the biggest mismatch 2012 over 2020 is going to be over the middle of the field. Joe Flacco's number one target, his best friend Dennis Pitta, going against two rookie linebackers and Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison. We don't know what they're going to look like on the field because we're talking 2020, right? We're not talking 2019. Right. We're not talking last year. Talking about this year, yeah. more than likely it's going to be LJ, a combination of LJ Fort, Patrick Queen, and Malik Harrison going against that one-two combo of Flacco and Pitta, who had a great run, not all, not just in that year, but in that Super Bowl run. Right, right. That would be an area of exposure as well. I, I agree with that, and I think you know, kind of, kind of the flip side of the ball there as well, right? Lamar's connection with Andrews, right? How does that fare against? A Ray Lewis in his last year, right, and having some Ray struggles. Lewis. Struggles. Does Ray even make it through? Deer the Antler Spray, <laughs> Ray right. Lewis. I I think that's to me that's more of the matchup I would want to see. I want to see how Ray Lewis fares against Andrews and Lamar. I don't think it's Ray. I don't think it's Ray. I think they bring Ed Reed in. You think Ed Reed's biting? I up. think Ed Reed's biting up, and he's covering Andrews all day long. Only Ed Reed was great at eliminating those big plays and eliminating those number one targets, right? I think him and Andrews would have a classic battle against each other. I don't think Ray will be relied on at this point. In 2012, his last year, we all know he was hurt, right? Right. I don't think the Ravens coaching staff would ask that much of Ray. But if you do that, does that take away, doesn't that open up the door for... Hollywood, yeah. Uh, you know, who knows if it could be? We pick your poison, a, right? Pick we your poison. See a boy, <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's you can open up a big door. So that's an awful big risk. I get what you're saying. That's an awful big risk, considering there's a lot of unknowns for us that could wind up making Ed Reed look silly for biting up. Because if they can get past a Marcus Peters, who also might be biting up, also trying to get that big play, or not a Marcus Peters, a um, who are we talking about? 2012. Who's the other safety? Uh, Bernard Pollard. Pollard, yes, with him biting up, right? Because they would he he can't. He's, he, he was more the box safety. Right. He was the guy that's going to play inside. He he's not going to be the guy that can get him over the top. So if you're sending both those guys in, right, you're going to get beat over. You're going to get beat over the top. Look, like I said, it's yeah. pick your poison, right? You got to figure out what you're going to do. And I, I, I got to like, be like, 
who was on this one? Who was on this? <laughs> this is difficult. But then you got to think too, right? One of the struggles last year, 2019 of this team, was being able to set the edge and being able yeah. to stop some of the rushing around the edge. We saw the problems with Nick Chubb. We saw the problems with Derrick Henry. Now, Eric DaCosta and the Ravens went out and addressed a lot of that yeah. by bringing in a lot of defensive line help. We haven't seen it on the field yet, but, I mean, you get the likes of Calais Campbell. You get Derrick You're hoping Wolf. the product translates, exactly. Right, exactly. You get a couple of big draft picks in there, and then you've got the more athletic linebackers. But you also have, in 2012, you've got the last big year of Ray Rice's career. You know, he was a 1,200-yard rusher that year, a 500-yard receiver that year. He was that dual threat back yeah. out of the backfield, which was a problem for the Ravens last year. Now, granted, right. that was last year. We're talking 2020. I think Ray Rice is negated, in my opinion, with the additions that the Ravens made in 2020 with Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf. The, the athletic linebackers that we talk about, uh, I don't think Ray Rice is much of a factor in this game. I, not saying he's completely eliminated. I just don't think he's much of a factor. I don't think he's a game changer. If if a Marcus Peters can handle Tory, and if Marlon could truly handle Anquan, that would be a matchup for the century right there. That would. That would be. I would every play. Every play I'd be watching, Anquan <laughs> Bolden and Marlon Humphrey, I would not be able to take my eyes off. If the it. two of them can lock those two guys down on the defensive side, then I agree with you. But if one, if one of them gets loose, I I don't know that Ray doesn't play a, a, a big role in the game now because now we can hit him deep. All we got to do is watch you bite. Go ahead, bite. Go ahead, bite. Boom. And then you got to start biting back. Now Ray, now Ray is able to he's able to hit those holes a little bit more. Remember, he's also going yeah. against a linebacker core in Ray, who's lost his step in his last year. He wasn't his last two to three years. He was he was no longer a sideline no. to sideline guy. He's not going against a 2012 Ray. Ray, he's going against our athletic linebackers. Right, and that's what I'm saying. I, I'm saying Ray, and I'm saying the wrong Ray. Okay, Rice versus Lewis. Okay, I got you. Rice is going up against a a past his prime Lewis injured. No, he's not. You're talking about 2012. Right, Rice going up against Lewis. Rice isn't going against Lewis. Rice is from 2012, going oh, against going 2020. Against, yeah, 2020. <laughs> See, <laughs> I'm like, getting all these. Wait a second. I'm wow. getting all these mixed up now. <laughs> Jesus. So Rice is going against the athletic linebackers, the rookies, Ed Queen and, and Harrison. Okay. And then he's going against that new defensive front of Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf, you know, yeah, Brandon okay. Williams being moved more over to the nose. He's going against us. We need to map this out next time. <laughs> we need to map this I'm out. Draw like, you yeah. a map. <laughs> this but, goes here. This goes here. But I, I think that going the other way with that, we talk, you know, about Lamar Jackson having to take the next step as a passer and all that stuff. We want to see his game continue to develop as a passer. But you take the 2020 Ravens team against the 2012, a much slower Ray Lewis against Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson has a huge, oh, huge day, advantage. huge day on the ground with his feet yeah. in this game. There's no way Ray is going to be out there three downs trying to keep up with Lamar Jackson in the last year of his career. Not even, I mean, not even just not even just Lamar, but this entire running back core is exactly. going to run all over them. Yeah, so um, I, don't, I, I don't think we'll, we'll answer the question now. I don't think this is much a debate. I think this is... A pretty much gimme. I think 2020 beats 2012 pretty handily. If all plays out as it should on paper, yeah, yes, agreed. I mean, unfortunately, everything everything never plays out as it should on paper. But knock on wood, it should. I'll take 2020. Brian, I, I want to get your answer on both of them as well. 2000 
versus 2012 after hearing everything that we said. 2020. So you just oh, did it. Sorry. No, no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll start, I'll start from, from 2000 to 2020 because there's something you guys, I think, have left out, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. What about the running back squads from, from the 2000 team? I mean, yeah, you take a Jamal look at Lewis. Jamal Lewis and Priest Holmes. Yeah. Right. And Sam Gash. Right. What about that three-headed monster versus 20, uh, the 2012 and the, the 2020 Versus me, the 2020. Yeah, to me, I'm going to take the 2000 team all the way. 100%. That defense was yeah. just too damn dominant. There, And I honestly think that Ray Lewis may have the potential to knock out Lamar Jackson. Very well, because, in 2000, because 100%. The way, the way that Ray Lewis played, he was almost, um, oh, God, who was the linebacker uh, from the Giants back in his I, heyday? Oh, uh, Lawrence yeah. Taylor. Lawrence I, Taylor. He ran after to knock you out. Yeah. And all you yeah. got to do was just ask, uh, uh, was it Dylan, or is it Dylan, the, the running back who played for the Cincinnati Bengals yeah, back Dylan, in the day yeah. when he, yep. he quit. He walked off the field. He was like, I'm not going against that defense. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the, the I think you would see some of the Ravens do that, too. I'm not going to. You, you see those big boys out there? <laughs> you see all that beef uh, out a, there? I ain't going point. against that team. That's a great point. And, all right. Uh, and then what about 2000? 2012 versus 2020. Oh, it's not even a contest. Agreed. I mean, Jesus, how many t- how many breaks did the that that 2020 uh, 2012 team? Look, I'm doing it now. Get. <laughs> the mile high miracle is the only thing you got to look at. Right. If if Denver didn't play stupid at the last possible instant where the 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 uh, the free safety goes up at the wrong yeah. time, Chris Harris. Yeah. You know, I I don't think that Ravens win that Super Bowl, but they they do. They manage to pull it off. But yeah, I, I'm. Both instances, I'm taking that that 2000 Ravens team. That defense is just too scary. 100% agree. All right, Scott. It's time for the Liquor Stop Brew of the Week. What's Jerry and the guys got us drinking on today? So they uh, they had their floors redone. So Jerry wasn't there, but one of, feel one like of his I'm staff members. Saw on acid you're a little trip, you're tripped out <laughs> right now, tripping right? tripping reading this. Yeah, so this? This, this is from Rogue Brewing Company. Uh, it's... Dedicated to DIY is what they call it, but this is Dreamland. This is their American law. Bring your own drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Purple haze, man. Yeah, right. So this one is four point eight percent. Yeah, kind of weak. It's it's weak, but it's it's fairly smooth. It's not bad at all. No, it tastes good. You get the citrus hop to it. Um, you know, it's it's really when you look at at a beer like this, as low as it is. I'd have to say this is this is probably one of the smoother low content beers that I've had. That you can still taste the hops. Yeah. Right. Um, so and this one, it's not local. It's out of uh, New or what is it? Yeah, Newport, Newport, Oregon. So it's out of Oregon, but it's a Rogue is a popular one. So make sure you go up there. They've got plenty of these set up for you. So go check them out up at on Conowingo Road. Make sure that you mention Birdland BS sent you. If Jerry's there Monday through Friday. Make sure you tell them where you're coming from and that Birdland BS sent you. Get your 10% off the Brew of the Week. All right, Scott. So I know you're excited. I'm not as pumped as I should be. <laughs> but it's time for some bros, bows, and O's. As the Orioles are on draft eve. It's yes. draft day eve. Uh, Orioles are set to make the second overall pick in tomorrow's draft. The draft starts at 7 p.m. It's going to be on MLB Network and ESPN, I believe. Yes. Uh, your thoughts? Well, I mean, Mike Elias was interviewed this week, and we were talking before the show, and I know James had listened to it too. You know, he basically has said that there, in the first interview that he did, he said that there's basically five guys um, that are on their radar. At the second pick, you kind of have, you obviously have your pick minus the first guy. Right. Spencer Torkelson, we keep saying it, he's projected to go unless something crazy changes, but that's why Elias made the comment that he did, and James brought it up, which was, 
we're going to take the best player available. Because if they don't take Torkelson and we don't take Torkelson, I will be pissed. Yeah. This nah. guy is the best guy in this draft, period. And if they don't, well, if they pass on him. So I was listening to uh, Jason Stark, I think that's his name, okay. MLB analyst, yeah, yeah, yeah. ESPN mm -hmm. analyst. He was talking about the draft and he was kind of talking about those top couple guys that were on there. He actually is more on my side with this. And he said, Torkelson is definitely the best power hitter. But as far as best overall player in this draft, the one that has the most tools, the one that can affect a team in multiple facets is going to be Austin Martin. So the Detroit Tigers could very well pull the rug out from everything and not draft Torkelson. They could go Austin Martin, but he does ultimately think Torkelson will be the pick yeah. and that the Orioles would be crazy to not pick Austin Martin. I, I, I don't like the Martin thing. There's, there continues to be more and more coming out about his play and the reasons that they moved him from shortstop to try him at third base and then move him to the outfield. And it's because they don't like his, they, they do not like his arm. He's had shoulder issues before. You don't they, think that was the showcase where he could play? No, no. I they, it's, they've openly said his coaches openly said he couldn't make the, sh the throw from short. You can't make the throw from short. You're sure as hell not going to do that much better at third. Still would be a heck of a second baseman then at that point. But then why not take the guy that's the true second baseman and Nick he's Gonzalez? a better hitter. Austin Martin's a better hitter, and there's no debating that. Austin Martin is a more it has a little bit more power. He doesn't. No, Gonzalez, it's not even that. He's got he's the best contact hitter. He he's, he strikes out the fewest. He played in a tougher conference, and he played in a stadium okay, that didn't right. have to so let's, worry about let, some let's of the go inflation. There. So if you're gonna you're gonna put him at second base, I'm just saying you could. Okay, if the arm thing doesn't work out, if you're right, if he has questions with his arm, the strength isn't. See, the the good thing about this kid is that he's versatile enough from an athletic standpoint to be able to play anywhere in the infield, and you could put him in the outfield. If his arm strength does, isn't there. He does have range. I give the kid credit on the, on his range, but when you don't have arm strength, that's not a solid thing to do. Yes, you can move him you can move him to second base, but he hasn't played a lot of second play, second base. So the only throw that he's really getting is there. And if there are shoulder issues, even at second base that's a risk, right? You're trying to turn a double play, he throws it too hard because he's trying to get it over there in time. You know, a second baseman also has to have a strong arm. Yeah. You can't have shoulder issues with a second baseman either because you got to be able to make the play. At yeah, but if you're going to hide somebody's arm strength it's going to be at second base versus anywhere else unless they're just a first agreed <laughs> but then then that's why i question all right the outfield thing right you're mm -hmm. moving them out in the outfield you've got arm strength questions why are you putting a guy with arm strength questions in the outfield i don't know like i said i haven't seen the arm strength questions like when i've watched his film when i've watched his film i don't see problems with any throws from any part of the field third short or outfield I don't know if it's, something happened as the season what, went on and it got worse. What the question is is the and what it really comes down to is the translation to the to to the major league baseball, right? Because mm -hmm. it's a faster paced game. As he's gone up in his career and he's faced high, more competitive competition, he struggled to beat that competition with his arm. Yeah, but the other thing that you got to remember too is he's only 20 years old, right? So he's probably still got a solid two, maybe three years of like maturity and developing that his body's going to do Agreed. naturally, right? Agreed. So he could still pick up a little bit more strength as thing. He could be just like a, which is crazy to think as, as good of a hitter as he is, he could be a little bit of a slower developer in that aspect where in a year or two years from now, this arm debate that we're talking about is nothing, 
right? And then we may pass up on a prospect who, again, could be a, a franchise-type prospect, potentially. Because, like I said, when you be. look at his bat, just look at his bat. The versatility, his contact ratio, the, the, the little that he strikes out, his, his batter eye is just phenomenal. It, it's it's one of the best, if yeah. not the best, in this draft. But Nick Gonzalez isn't that much far behind. I'm not saying he is. I'm not but, saying he is. But that that's what my point is: is with going with Nick over him. You don't have all those questions with Nick Gonzalez out of New Mexico State. This now that's the other that's the, the other biggest thing question the mark with him. Biggest question mark is the competition and the stadium that he played in. The stadium that he played in, the you know the lighter air and all that stuff. Some of those things are a little exaggerated as far as statistics go. But How does that really home, play? He, but he's not a home run hitter. This guy's, this guy's a true contact he's hitter. He's a gap-to-gap -gap hitter. Right, and he, he gets a lot of doubles, occasional triples. Right. I mean, that's, I, I don't the dislike the guy. I don't dislike the guy at all. I just – you got the number two overall pick in the MLB draft, right? Oh, yeah. This is, this is a pick you have to nail. They were talking – Jason Stark was talking about this about – you know, we went down the laundry list of guys that we said that would probably right. be, you know, a potential. Pick. A Lacey, a Martin, a Gonzalez, Emerson. Emerson, yeah. And they talked about whether the Orioles should go position player or pitcher. And Stark says Lacey is definitely the best pitcher in this draft, has the highest ceiling in this draft. But pitchers are one of the most risky prospects when drafting to the MLB. Oh, yeah. That you see it constantly with these guys getting elbow injuries and things that happen, right? So that number number two overall pick is such a rarity, right? Unless you're just a yeah. constant bottom fell, you know, <laughs> dweller. Uh, it doesn't happen very often. So you got to nail it. Right. And the, the Orioles are in a position where they're going to have the number two pick. They're going to have the number 30 pick from the draft A compensation right. or whatever the hell it's called. Then they're going to have the number 37 pick. So they're going to have three picks in the top 37. So he's thinking the Orioles definitely go position player with that first pick because you can nail it. Right. And then take back-to-back -back potential pitchers, pitchers yeah. later with those two other picks. Well, I think that's the, I think that's the way that you can absolutely you can you can justify going this route. I I think it it certainly is a flip of the coin with with the guys like we've talked about of, of who you're going to go with. I think the 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 factor that comes in here for some of the more so for some of the later rounds, right, is you don't have as many picks this year. Right. So to your point, you have to nail these picks. Absolutely. And it's five rounds. And here's the risk. It's five rounds. But if somebody thinks they can get first or second round next year. Oh yeah. College has another year of eligibility. They, now. they opened up another year of eligibility. And then outside of those five rounds for the undrafted guys, MLB is only allowing them to offer twenty thousand uh, dollars contracts right. to the undrafted guys. Yeah, how many of like some of the top guys prospects are going to take, take twenty thousand dollars? Yeah. Not many of them at all. Well, They're going to take that extra year of eligibility. And I think that's where it, it kind of goes to to go back here for a quick second. That kind of goes where my argument starts to go when it comes to Nick Gonzalez over Austin Martin. With Martin, because of the, you have some question, potential question marks with his arm, mm. they know more about it than we do. Maybe it is absolutely nothing. Maybe it's a load of cro a crock of shit, right? Mm. But if you have any question, why would you take the guy that you have a question on over a guy that doesn't really seem like there's questions? The question that you have is, oh, is it where he played? 
He's not a power hitter, so I'm not as concerned about that. Power hitter, power hitter has and and field of play has nothing to do with contact hitter. I don't know. Like I said, I think this the arm questions are a little bit different than like because <laughs> I've used that exact same argument when it comes to the NFL. Why are you drafting wide receivers that have drop issues? Right. If you're a wide receiver, your sole job is to catch a football. If you're having problems with that at college, what makes you think they're going to learn that at the NFL? I don't care how good of a teacher you are. I mean, not many guys do make it work in the NFL. so <laughs> It never translates, right? And the Ravens were always historic for drafting wide receivers with cans issues. So the arm issue, I can see your point. I can see I could, I could very well understand why you would, would be on that side. But I just don't think... I don't think there's an, enough red flag around an injury. It's more of a capability thing. Like the arm strike is a capable thing more so than injury. And I think because he's 20, he still has time to grow into that arm. And that everything hey, else, bank. everything else that you see about this guy is so positive and so I mean, good. Listen, the, 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 the draft period is a crapshoot. Right? Yeah, 100% I mean, it is. That's why the, the MLB has so many rounds. Yeah. I actually think this is where they need to. You want to get a salary cap in place? This is one of the first places you start, by the way. <laughs> Think yeah. about that. They've yeah. already put a salary cap on these signings. Yeah. On these well, bonuses. draft slots or whatever. Right. Yeah. But in all reality, if you st if you start doing that, you start getting used to these guys going, look, you're not going to get as much money as you used to. You right. go with less rounds because they become more valuable. Right. Right. These guys work harder. They, they train harder. I think there is absolutely a way that you can do this and not have so many freaking blown out rounds. That by the last few rounds, these guys are guys that are never going to make it. You're already going to be limiting the minor league programs. Right. All these things are falling into place. So I think this year, with this being, I'm going to call it the first year of a shorter draft because I think next year is going to be the same. I, I think, think I think drafts are going to be totally different moving forward. I don't yeah. think you'll see a 30-round draft yeah. or whatever the hell it is anymore. I don't think those days are gone. Yeah. I truly believe that. Yeah, it's. It, I think you see that, and with that translation, I think the MLB's got to get it right. You got to do it the right way, but I think you start seeing some of these guys taking it more seriously when it comes to college. Because I mean, let's be real: there's college players that get offered contracts that I'm sorry, no offense to anybody else. I feel like it's with some of these guys, I could go out and do a better job from what I've seen. Yeah. And yeah. I'm I'm not like that's just because I've played baseball almost my entire life. I know what my capability is. I know I'm not I'm not at that high level. Right. But I'm close. I could give you just as much production as him, right? And I've got more experience of understanding the game. <laughs> You hit a couple home runs playing wiffle ball, Scott. Oh, Take it easy. easy. Jumping the gun a little bit. <laughs> going after a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. Watch out for in your ear. Hey, whoa. I'd love to see any of those MOB players hit a ball off that guy we faced. Whew. Yeah, no no doubt. We didn't hit home runs off of that thing. No, no. None of us did. <laughs> no. uh, all right, so talking baseball, right, uh, you know, MLB decided to give it another pitch. Uh, as Carl Ravitch actually reported, the league's proposal is going to call for a potential 76-game regular season that would end on September 27th with a postseason finishing up by the end of October. Also included in the proposal, 75% of prorated salaries, 75%, not 75% of their salary, 75% of, of yeah. what would be the prorated salary, right? Playoff pool money and no 
draft pick compensation for signing players. Look, I give them credit because they wanted 50 games and the players wanted 114. And they went, we'll come up 25, 26 games, whatever the heck it was. They're they're making an they're making conceded effort. They're originally they they wanted to say, okay, fifty games, and that's all that you're the money that you're getting, and you're gonna get. I think it was half that or something like that, right? At fifty percent, so the money's gonna wind up working. I think you were saying the money when you were looking at it, the money was gonna kind of work that's, out the same almost. That's the problem, right? This whole thing is about money. It's about greed. It's about money. It's the owners wanting to keep as much as they can, and it's the it's the players wanting to get as much as they can, right? And all these proposals do is just shuffle the money around in different ways that all come out to equal the same thing. Right. All of the proposals that we have seen have all totaled up to be about 33% of the regular salary, their regular full season salary, it's just spread around differently, achieved differently, but it's still the same dollar amount. And that's ultimately the biggest issue with the Players Association is they want more money. And you can propose these different game scenarios and different ways of achieving it, but at the end of the day, if the bottom dollar is still the same, you're not getting anywhere. I just, I mean, it's not, it's not moving forward. But the player, here's what I'm gonna say: the the players are rep, are are leveraging their future, trying to get the money now. And I get to an extent. Oh, I want to be paid for what I'm doing. I get that. I I agree. But guess what? We've said it before. We'll say it again. We are all in a time where money money is adjusted, right? Because of everything that's happened. But ultimately, the players have stood their ground and made it pretty simple. Right, exactly. They they the, just want all they want is a prorated version of their regular schedule or their regular uh, salaries. Not they don't want to be cut because of the revenue losses and all that stuff. Whatever their salary was, if they're playing thirty five percent of their regular season games, they want thirty five percent of their salaries. And that these you know, and the owners aren't willing to do that. They're taking into consideration the revenue loss, which is then being down passed down to the players. It's to simplify it for now, <laughs> but I that's mean, what I'm saying. Th- these yeah, these three proposals that, that they've done have all led but, to the same thing. But that's that's I guess that's my point. Is there the the owners right mm-hmm. have continued to try to say okay here's okay let's try this right regardless of whether it all works out to the same or not, regardless of that, there has been from my perspective absolutely no give on the part of the players. No, there hasn't been. Because, like I said, they're standing their ground. Right. Bottom, they want their pro-rated salary. That's it. Do you like, want to know why, though? It's because they said, well, you guys made it. And it's I get it to an extent because it's, you know, contract, right? They went and they made an agreement with the MLB, with the MLBPA, when everything started. And they said, yeah, we're not going to, we need to shut down. Everything's not, it's not going to do it. That was what the players need to understand. That was set up when, when everybody across the country thought, Ah, this will be a few weeks, maybe a month or two. Here we are almost four months later. Right. And we're just getting back to the point of we may be able to do something. And, oh, by the way, you're probably not going to be able to do all the things that you want to do. It's a classic game of possum. Who's going to move first? Who Or a game of chicken. Who's going to get out of the way first, right? It's, it's MLB is stuck oh, in their yeah. ways of what they're going to give. They're just painting it a different picture every time that they present it. MLB Players Association wants their prorated, full prorated salaries. 
I think ultimately what's going to happen, this is just my opinion, I think the owners will ultimately continue to stand the ground that they're in, and the players will get to a point where they're just like, fuck it. We got to do something because something at this point is better than nothing. Because eventually that's what's going <laughs> we'll to happen. We'll take a 25 game season, please. I think, <laughs> I think, honestly, I think it might be 50. I think. Which was the original proposal. I think, I, well, yeah, but here we've been dancing around 114 and now 74, right? And well, the, the players the, won 114. That was what they came back with was because oh, they we wanted won 114. Bigger, they wanted a bigger portion of their right. salary. But let's, let's be real. We're more than, we're more than, we're getting ready to approach halfway through the season. Yeah. Like the physical halfway through the point through the season. Right. That's 80 games. Yep. 81 to be specific. You are asking for 114 games. We've said no, no matter way. what we do, it's going to start in if we if we get it done, it's going to start in July. If that's the case, you're saying you're going to you're willing to play 114 games in July? Okay, fine. Double header every day. Right. That's the that's only way they, that you're getting. That's it. what they're going to have to do because yeah. whenever this comes to a head and whenever they finally agree to something, they're not just going to snap their fingers and start playing games tomorrow. There's going to have to be a a shortened version mm -hmm. of a spring training, of a camp, things to get players ready well, before the season starts. And then the ML, ML, MLBPA is going to turn around and when there's a major injury to a major player. They're going to turn around and go, well, you guys forced us to do this. Right. Shut the hell up, dude. Like, it's seriously getting to that point. Well, here, let, well, me, let me cut in real quick because yeah. this, this just came out that the MLP, uh, MLBPA is set to announce an 89-game season <laughs> With extended playoffs, that is the uh, latest nineteen thirty ninth. Wait, wait, eighty nine, something like that. I don't know wait, where the hell they're out right now. Because that goes back to with the extended playoffs, that would go back to about the same number of games that they called for in the first place, which was one hundred and fourteen. Yep, same. It's, it's just a the playoffs. Just a circle. But, we just keep going around in circles. But this makes the owners look good because they get to go like we've given you guys every opportunity to accept the deal. So maybe when there's a lockout, maybe or they go on strike, they can go, it's not our fault, I, This the is players. Again, this is why I say the MLB Players Association is, is standing their ground because they don't feel they as players should have any kind of repercussions from this the is, loss of revenue. But this is, I'll, I'll say it again, this is not the hill to stand on nor the time to stand on that hill. I agree with that. And, and I think this week, uh, I think it was last, uh, I want to say last Thursday, Stephen A. Smith said it well. Right. And it's the same thing that we've been saying. And Stephen A. Smith, you know, obviously has way more sources than we do. Uh, maybe. I'm just joking. <laughs> just joking. He says, if this does not get figured out and if there's a season, he said exactly what I've been saying. He feels that the MLB will never be able to recover. And, I, and that's what I was saying a couple of weeks ago. Like, <laughs> the only thing that saved baseball back when they had the strike in 94 was Cal Ripken. And then it was the home run, you know, streak that we're going to talk about in a little bit. There really isn't a whole lot going on right now. I, I saw somebody else write an article about this. I think really the only things going on right now is you got Albert Pujols chasing Babe Ruth. Yeah. Uh, and somebody chasing, I can't remember who it is now, somebody chasing like 3,000 hits maybe. I don't know. But like those are like the only two things, and I don't think either one of those. Was Pujols chasing 3,000? Maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was Pujols going after Ruth and 3,000 hits. I don't know. I don't remember. I, it was like two kind of – not that, that Ruth, the record with Ruth, and it's not even a record anymore, right. but going after Ruth. You're is, surpassing is, a, 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 legend. a founder of the game, so to speak. Right, a, a Mount Rushmore figure of Major League Baseball. But 
there's just nothing, and I, and I agree with Stephen A. I think that Major League Baseball has taken such a hit over the past few years, really over the last decade, that I don't think that they can afford to have this yeah. kind of hit. No. All right, Scott, it's time for some turtle talk. Well, you'll do a quick social media shout out. And oh, yeah, have social a lot, media. But. I have not even been paying attention to the comments because obviously we're streaming through uh, StreamYard right now, and I cannot monitor the comments. <laughs> so let me do a rundown real quick. So we have yeah. James, Sherry, Justin, Jessica, Ryan S., Joe C., and Ryan H. And uh, right. so one of the questions that Nick Short brought up, he says, hey, do you guys know about Jack Bulger from Bowie, uh, the Matha kid, uh, supposed to be a decent pick? You guys know anything about him or... What was the name? Uh, Jack Bulger. It sounds familiar. He's if he's going, it's it's in the later rounds. It, it would be like one of the late late rounds. He's not yeah. a top 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 guy. I, um, yeah, I don't know anything about for. him. I don't know anything about him. Any other comments or anything? Uh, so Joe Carlosa is bringing it up. He's like he's in a desperate need of some OV goals in his life. Are you guys excited to see the NHL come? Back? I am. I'm a hundred percent. Listen, like there's nothing more exciting than NHL playoff hockey right it's right up there with the nfl as far as like the most entertaining i think playoff system in all of professional sports and it continues yeah. to grow year after year i just went the other day and re-watched the shortened version of the entire uh caps stanley oh, cup the, finals the against yeah. uh, against the uh vegas vegas knights and it's just i remember like watching those games and how intense they were and how excited i was for each one of those games like yeah, man, I'm I'm all for playoff hockey at this point, for sure. And that's all I got. Oh, the the other thing I wanted to bring up here is: Do you guys think this will be the highest rated MLB draft ever? No, because I don't. Nope. Uh, I, I, got, I got into a little bit of heated argument with Joe no. Joe Carlos about the this highest time. rated MLB draft. Nope. Why? I mean, what? Think about like. Oh wait, highest rated highest rated as far as TV highest rated TV for ratings. Yeah. yeah, I do. I don't. No. I don't. I mean, why? Why no. wouldn't it be? Because most of the the well, all the NFL or MLB drafts are always right in the middle of the year. Usually, you've got a game going on while the draft's going on. So, how many people are really watching the draft versus watching the the actual game that's on this year? You've got nothing else to watch. Too many. Too many people are just like us that are pissed tired, off. That tired could be. and annoyed. Mm -hmm. That could yeah, be. tired and annoyed of reason. them talking about. So, why am I going to watch something that's just going to piss me off? Because you know. I mean, you're you're doing this draft. You don't even know if you're going to have a season. Yeah. You or it's the opposite end of that is people are pissed off and they want to hear some sort of resolution. They want to hear what's the latest talk. So maybe it does. It goes the other way. Like I said, there's just nothing else to pull from. There's nothing else to distract you right now. I don't know. I think this could be. It looks like Joe Joe also said, we. I agree, uh, we're going pitcher, hitter, hitter. So there he is sitting there saying that there. I like the stream yard. We can actually Going hitter, pitcher, pitcher. Hitter, hitter, yeah, sorry, hitter, pitcher. Yeah, pitcher. I, I think that's the safest bet. Uh, for the Orioles to do in this draft, for sure. All right, man, it's time, time for, for some talk. shell and tell, some turtle talk. Uh, as we talked about kind of prior to the show, Maryland is going to begin allowing its football players to conduct voluntary individual workouts under the supervision of the sports medical staff on June 15th. Uh, football players will be permitted to return to campus on Monday for medical screenings. The athletes will be tested for symptoms of COVID, all of that on a daily basis. I'm excited. This is a step in the right direction. This means that there is going to potentially be a college football this season. Yeah, I'm excited because it gets us in that, that, that step in that right direction so that we can actually 
have some sports. These kids can can have a season. We've picked up a lot of guys. I know that they've they've put out a lot of offers to a lot of different players. Some for this year, some for uh, future years. Um, so I, I I'm excited as as what they can do. And this team already seems you know with the messages you got put out this past week with everything going on. Uh, this this team already seems united and yeah. on a united front here for sure. I mean this. Right now, the, the Terps are scheduled to open their season September 5th at home against Towson. Uh, I don't know how realistic that is. Uh, we'll we'll kind of see how this plays out. We'll see if the, if the numbers spike with this virus, you know, with everything kind of going on, everything opening back up, everything being moved to kind of phase two at this point. And people just kind of living life the way that they want to live life at this point. At least that's what I'm seeing. When I go out places... I don't see people being overly protective or overly, you know, spacious as far as giving people space and all that kind wow. of stuff. I don't see people wiping the doors down before they grab a handle or doing anything like extra. I mean, yes, stores are still making you wear your mask when you go into the store. So people are wearing them because they're mandated. Right. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if the warmer weather is going to keep things under wraps for a while with this virus if the virus reacts that way or do the numbers spike again and then here we go again right yeah i mean hopefully it's it's the first one there i don't want the latter of the two i don't want to have to <laughs> shut down again and be right back where we are because anything for the rest of us is going to get you know shut down even more so i don't right. want, i don't want to see us go down that route but yeah i mean i'm excited to see to see them come back you know they they with them allowing the players to come in i know that the screenings are going to be difficult it's you know you got to think about what that's going to cost, though, too, right? Yeah. We talked about the cost last week when it came to the NHL, and it was going to cost them a few million. That's for the NHL. Right. You you have that in five, maybe ten teams in college, plus all the staff. Like, right. It's it's going to be through the roof. This this will be a – it'll be I'll, – I'll call it – I'm going to say it's going to be at least a quarter of a billion dollars to take care of them for the entire season. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't put a number on it, but I'm not going to doubt it. I'm just looking at what the NHL does, how many how many games that they have, yeah. what they think it's going to cost them, and going, okay, I mean, it's exponential at that point because of how many teams that you, you've got in the NCAA. Right. Do you limit the teams? Is that fair? Do you limit, you know, is it, you know, is it only the, the big-name teams can play or, you know, a certain number of teams that have had good records. I don't know how you do this because I don't see that. I don't foresee them being able to really do this and have fans in the stands. I, I think long term, it's going to be the players on the field, and you guys that aren't playing are going to be sitting up in the stands or sitting sitting further away, unless it spikes or if it doesn't. If it spikes, if it doesn't spike, we might be able to start getting away with that. But if it spikes in any way, shape, or form, I don't know. Like for baseball. I think that makes sense because baseball really isn't that much of a contact sport. Naturally, there's a lot of spacing between players and whatnot on the field. Fair enough. Football is such a contact sport, and people are constantly tackling on top of each other, standing right next to each other, grabbing onto each other, that I don't know if that spacing guys out on the sideline really does a whole lot to prevent things as much. Uh, I do agree that – I don't know if, if there's going to be 100% capacity in fans this year. I do think it'll be a modified version. I yeah. think it might be a, like, 25 to, say, 40% capacity, uh, which isn't going to be much of a difference no. for the University of Maryland except for, like, when Penn State comes to town. But um, I think that that's more realistic for this year. Unless, like you said, if we don't see a spike in numbers at all, then maybe, maybe we do get back to some sort of normalcy. I don't yeah. know. I just – I think <laughs> – I honestly think the NFL is going to set the bar 
for all of this. I do think yeah. that the NFL, they're, they've been forward-thinking, right? They've kind of put their own guidelines into place. They haven't really followed suit with everybody. They've been the leader, I think, in a lot of ways. Uh, and I think a lot of other sports will kind of follow by their example. But obviously, right now, we've got basketball coming back. We've got hockey coming back. So they're kind of the guinea pigs. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how this whole thing shakes <laughs> out. See what happens. Hate to say it, but somebody's got to be that guinea pig. And I think it's the NHL and, and the NBA, NBA at this yeah. point. NBA, they, there was a uh, video of somebody getting swabbed. I forget who it was. Celtics getting swabbed. And he's like, Ugh. it looks awful. It's like they're tickling your brain with that. Thing. Ugh, yeah. I can't do it. <laughs> But look, the Terps, uh, we talked about it over the past couple of weeks. 2021 class is looking really, really good. They've had a lot of additions, a lot of big names, right? They're still trying to build that squad up. Uh, they're actually right now potentially going to be landing the number one JUCO transfer cornerback, yeah. which would be a huge addition for this secondary. That's That was one of my downfalls last year was the play of the secondary outside of freshman Nick Cross, who was a superstar in a lot of ways, considering he was just a freshman. Right. He's going to develop into a hell of a player in year two. Uh, I don't really see a whole lot of we, – we talked about all the depth that they're adding on the defensive line, what right. they've added at the linebacker core. We haven't heard a lot about on the back end of the defense, and I think this would be a big addition uh, as they're looking at Dejon Warren out of Scranton, PA, Lackawanna. He's six foot, 175 pounds. But we're going up against some of the big boys yeah. in this one. I mean, we're going up against Georgia. We're going up against Penn State, Tennessee, Oklahoma, some big, big colleges. But he is kind of local. He lives in Landover. Mike Locks, do your thing, buddy. Yeah, I mean, it's it, why not? He's shown that he's good at what he's doing with with these guys, especially you know some of these Jamatha kids and coming out of coming out of the area. I, why not? It sounds like a guy that we would want to bring on. Yeah. I mean, like I said, that's the biggest hole, I think, on this defense. Talking about the 21, 2021 class moving forward. Uh, they need some help in that back end. Isn't there a guy that they, they were saying, too, that uh, not, I don't know it's on the back end there, but I think it's a, a guy that they were saying he was going to make his announcement like somewhere early July or something like that? Well, Caleb Williams, that was the guy I was talking to you about pre-show. He's the yeah. quarterback, that the five-star quarterback that's one of the, the, the top-rated quarterbacks in the entire country. He's been tugging at the heartstrings of Maryland fans because he's got the local ties. He, he narrowed his, his top three down to Maryland, uh, Oklahoma, and LSU. There, we've talked about it. There's been some factors that we thought LSU was pretty much out of the picture. Yeah. They got a four-star quarterback that they're pretty high on. The Terps obviously land Talia, right. right? A four-star quarterback. So I thought we were completely out of the picture. It's pretty much a foregone conclusion that he's going to Oklahoma, which I think if you read into his social media, it's been pretty much a foregone conclusion to Oklahoma for a while now, which I think is why the Mike Loxley and the Terps were right. so heavy on getting Talia here. Um, but, I mean, then you also hear that Loxon crew was putting together one big final push for him, a big PowerPoint presentation type thing. So they must feel as though they have some sort of shot okay. of still landing this kid. They got a horse in the race, they feel. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I'm hoping, man, I got my fingers, my toes crossed and everything that we that we can land a guy like uh, Caleb Williams. But we'll find out on the 4th of July. Will the fireworks be firing off at College <laughs> Park or will they be going off in Oklahoma? If I'm a betting man, I'm saying they're going Oklahoma, off in Oklahoma yeah. for sure. 
Uh, but you know, another Terp story that I thought was, was kind of cool. And, uh, I was just reading about this actually a little bit prior to the show, former Terp basketball player, uh, Dino Gregory, his brother, Daniel Gregory, they're calling him or hailing him as a hero right now because, uh, he stopped this crazy guy during a, a protest from literally driving a car into a crowd of people Oh, geez. at this protest, uh, stopped him by himself. He got shot in the process. So he's in the hospital. They say he's in stable condition. He's going to be all right. Best and everything. But, him, yeah. uh, thought that was a cool story, obviously with the, the Maryland Maltai, ties yeah. to Dino Gregory, uh, a guy kind of flew under the radar as a, as a big man here at, at, at university of Maryland. So big shout out to his brother, Daniel, uh, for, yeah, for doing the right story. thing, man. These are the kind of stories that the media needs to blow up. Why this happened. I want to say two days ago. Why am I just hearing about it now? Why am I just reading about this now? Why aren't and these not on, types and not on a national network, by the right. way, yeah. why aren't these types of heroic stories, the good stories, the, the peaceful protest, all this, I'm not going to go down this road too hard, but I'm just saying, why aren't these the center of the focus? The media drives a certain message. Good old mainstream media. Cannot stand it. <laughs> Cannot stand it. All right, Scott, it's time for this week's rundown. And we got a hodgepodge yeah, right. of all kinds of topics to run through. Uh, I, we'll start. We'll keep it with the NFL. Obviously, we've been talking a lot about the Ravens and everything. Uh, Vikings running back Dalvin Cook is preparing to hold out f- of any team activities. He wants a reasonable extension done prior to reporting. Do you think this is the right move for Dalvin at this point? Look, I, I get what you're you're trying to get out here, but this is one of those things that, again, you're you're asking for an extension during a time and asking for money that that people are struggling and you're you're complaining about millions. Look, prove your worth. Is is he worth it? Possibly. But the Vikings don't know where they're at right now. Yeah. They're a franchise that doesn't know if they're are, are they going to be in the hunt this year or are they not? If they're not in the hunt this year, why are you going to waste the money on an extension for Dalvin Cook instead of a potential, you know, rebuild, so to speak, for them? But if you're in the hunt, maybe halfway through the year, that's when you you discuss the the extension. You're giving the guy the best opportunity, and that's how his agent needs to explain to him, look, yes, I want to get the extension done for you now, too. They don't know what they're going to have. Right. This could be good for you. You could go off and have your choice of who you want. I'm a, I'm a Dalvin Cook fan. I have been. Ryan will tell you. Like I told him to pick him in fantasy. Dalvin Cook is a guy that I think is probably the Vikings' best player on their roster right now. But you also know how I feel about the running back position. Right. Talking about finances and long-term, right? We talk about it at... at, at at ends as far as the shelf life of running backs in the NFL. There's no denying how good of a talent he is, right? But when you start talking about some of these top contracts that are out there, what Ezekiel Elliott landed with Dallas, right? Some of these big-time contracts out there, those types of contracts with running backs can tend to handicap your team long-term, right? Because you can generate and you can find good running back talent in the draft, we see it year after year, guys drafted in the second, third, fourth round that don't make a whole lot of money for those first three, four, five years of their career, and you get them in the prime of right. their career. Well, and we talked about it before. The, these guys, you know, with short shelf life and, and the sustainment of this, guys don't sustain like they used to. Right. They don't. And, and he's so, had injury history. Right. And so that that's where it's, it's a huge risk for them to go, okay, if we're – 
if we can't get it together this year and we need to go through a rebuild, we're not going to pay this guy who in three years may not even be able to run the ball. And he's not going to live up to the contract. And I think right. that's why the Vikings are in the position that they're in. But if you're looking at it from Dalvin Cook's standpoint, I understand why he's trying to do that because he knows that too, right? Yeah. He's trying to get this extension locked up early so he can secure the money. But how did that work out for Melvin Gordon? Right. Well, didn't I mean, work out for Melvin Gordon very well. I'm sorry. I think, in my opinion, these are violations of contract. A holdout. You're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be here. We can drop your contract. Well, or, they, he doesn't get paid when he's hold out, when he's held out. Like, he sacrifices his contract. Like, that's why the whole Melvin Gordon thing backfired on him. Not only did he lose all that money from holding out, but then he never even got the extension that he wanted. Yeah. But the Chargers felt like they knew what they had when that happened as well, right? They felt like they knew what they were going to get out of him. They felt like they were knew what they were going to get out of him. The Vikings don't know. Right. That's why it's a big question mark from the Vikings. Well, the Vikings also have a pretty decent backup in Madison, right? Yeah. So they know that they've got a guy there that could potentially step in and be a replacement if Dalvin Cook decided to hold out. Keep that in your uh, back pocket for fantasy drafts. Yeah. I, this is a guy that I think in the position – that the Vikings are in, right? They probably got another year or two of good production out of Kirk Cousins, if you want to call it good production. <laughs> uh, they got Kirk Cousins. You just got rid of Stefan Diggs, uh, who's a bill now, right? So you got Adam Thielen. Outside of that, where's their other offensive weapons? So are they yeah. really in a win-now situation? Do the Vikings feel that comfortable that they could win I now? Don't, I don't know what they're, what they're you know, what their roster fully looks like to be able to comfortable comfortably say if I think they are right. And maybe that's where they're at. Maybe they aren't comfortable. They think they could, they think they could make it work, but they're not really sure. And that's why you're not paying Dalvin cook. But again, that's where this, this, all this holdout stuff you're paid to be here. Yep. And if you're in violation of your contract, I think the easiest way the NFL needs to step in because this is happening way too often now. Yeah, I agree. The NFL needs to step in and say, if you're in violation of your contract trying to hold out, you will then, if if a team so chooses, they can nullify your contract and you are locked out of the NFL for that year. Yeah, I don't know how the, the verbiage of all that works. I don't know, I don't know how, how it is either, do. but I, you know, imagine you and I going to our employer and go, I want more money or I'm not coming in. Yeah, they'll be like, all right, see you later, buddy. We're hiring somebody else. Adios. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> NFL's a little bit of a different project, but uh, look, so, all right, we talked about it a couple times. We teased it a couple times, right? Every week we're talking about these different specials that ESPN's doing, the different documentaries, the 30 for 30s and everything. Yeah. Well, they've got the newest one getting ready to come out, Long Gone Summer. Uh, it's going to be that kind of nostalgia feel, that trip down <laughs> memory lane. That 1998 season, the battle of Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa chasing down Roger Maris and, the, and that historical run that ended, well, I guess they caught Roger Maris in St. Louis while playing each other. Yeah. The yeah. Cardinals were playing the Cubs in St. Louis. And McGuire broke it. And McGuire broke that record. I mean, what do you remember about that time and just – kind of where you were as a baseball fan at that point. I mean, I, re I remember a lot of it. I remember, you know, I, I was 10 at the time, but it, at the same time, it, I was going through and kind of 
understanding the game a lot more. You know, you're playing travel ball a lot more. So you have idols and you look up at these guys and you, you know, you see what they're doing. I remember the excitement of that summer. I remember what they were, what they were doing, how they were going back and forth. And it was literally like, it seemed like a battle when one would hit one, the the other one would hit two. And then the other one would hit four and then the other one would hit two. So it was just this up and down. And it was like, who's going to get it. And then there towards the end, you saw McGuire pull away at the end of the season. Right. A little bit of extra juice for the end of the season. Yeah. That last little (laughs) shot. He took that last quarter. Um, I just, I remember the summer. I remember, you know, every every day you come home and where are they at? Yeah. And, I you know, that's why, like, <sighs> I understand the historians that are like, oh, you know, the, the guys that were taking steroids shouldn't count against the home run records and shouldn't count against the baseball records and da-da-da-da-da, or there should be asterisks with everything. I get all that. Like, I understand that, and I kind of feel the same way. But yeah. when you're talking about a sport that had been struggling, you know, to, to – get attendance and to get viewership up and all that stuff. That's why I was kind of for the steroids. That's why I was kind of like, I'm all right with them turning the blind eye to it because it was a more exciting product. You know, home runs, as much as we hate to say it, home runs sell to the average fan, right? They sell to the the just casual fan. It's it's exciting, right? It is. People, that's why... That's why the NFL fans, the majority of NFL fans, like these high-scoring games. They like offense. They like explosion, right? And I think that's what was so exciting about that time in baseball was that, you know, McGuire hit 70 home runs that year. Sammy Sosa hit 66 home runs. Griffey hit 56 home runs. Like, home runs were flying out of the stadium at a crazy pace, and it was fun to watch. Well, I mean, there we can get into all that, but it, you know, there's still questions of the war, the balls juice as well. All that, all that. Well, stuff. I mean, yeah. And they, I think they were, but the, the other thing that I, I want to look at is when you, when you say that, I, I think in my personal opinion, traditionalist that I am when it comes to baseball and really any sport, you then diminish raw talent. No, I, I get that, and that's what I just said. It, I don't know if you blocked me out there for the first two minutes that I went on my rant there. I said I understand the traditionalist side of it. I understand why the traditionalist wouldn't want this you know steroids to be a part of the game because it does. It, 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 it dampens all the accomplishments. It, it waters down the accomplishments of the true athletes, the ones that, that did it the right way. That I, I understand all of that. I'm just talking about... Baseball long-term, right? We, we, we talk about this on a week-to-week basis, how struggling MLB is to create an attractive product. And that was like a quick fix thing that, that the MLB allowed to happen for a while in that era, and it did wonders for Major League Baseball as far yeah. as revenue and generating interest. I'm not saying it, it, it needs to be it's implemented also, and be okay It's long-term. also, I was going to say, that's the thing, though, is it's also a moral danger, right? You're going to allow that to happen. I don't know what it was. Uh, you're going to allow that to happen, and all of a sudden, you know, you get younger and younger and younger and younger using. Yeah. It's, it's a dangerous it's, it's road a dangerous, to go down. A hundred percent agree with you. hundred percent agree so with you. So I, I get what you're saying. I, I, I see your side with everything, and I, I did hear you at the beginning, but I, I think that's why I went back to it, though, is because the traditional side of it, right, it, it, it really is raw talent in any sport, right? You right. can look right now and – Lamar is a prime example. Lamar is raw talent. Yeah. The guy has raw talent that everybody ignored and said that'll never translate. All those all those scouts are fired, right? Right. 
every sport has that. And by adding something like that in, I get it brings you the entertainment value. But you gotta you gotta be careful because that's such a dangerous road to go down. I think you gotta you've gotta do something. I really think it's a shortened season for the MLB plays a role, right? You you can mic up the players more. I think that should be a thing. I love that during I get it was the all-star game. Yeah. But I loved it during the all-star game. Spring training. They had uh Chris Bryant and Rizzo yeah. mic'd up. Yeah. I loved it. You talked yep. about doing that for the NFL. Do it for the MLB. It'll work. You can make it work. Um, but the, the, you talk getting back to the documentaries, right? Did you watch the Bruce Lee one? Oh, man. So, again, huge fan of these 30 for 30 documentaries. And I didn't know a lot about Bruce Lee. You know, I, I was kind of interested in knowing about him. So when I first heard it, I was like, uh, I'll probably watch it. But, man, was I really, really happy I watched it. Like, I was... I like did not blink. I don't think through this entire thing, just learning about like, just how the, the work ethic that this guy put in, not just from a martial arts standpoint, but what he went through and all the, the, the racial things that he mm-hmm. went through uh, to be able to get an acting role or to be able to get right. a starring role in a movie. He had been, nobody acting. wanted to cast him. Nobody wanted to cast. Well, that's cast because him major roles. Yeah. It, because of he, that he was, right. you know, Chinese. Right. And he had been acting since he was like 13 years old. He had had like these little roles and things and got, and kind of got a good fan base off these little roles, but like the way it, it went into pretty good detail about the way Americans kind of just made it, Chinese population just a laughing stock. Just you could see it in cartoons that they did and skits right. that they did on TV and whatnot. It, it's just obviously we're dealing with all of those things still to this day in 2020 in a lot yeah. of ways. Uh, but just you know, especially with the timing of everything for this documentary to come out, uh, it was really good because it does it gets into the the work ethic of what he put into mixed martial arts martial arts. The relationships that he built to get into the movie, uh, you know, into the movie, movie business, business. Yeah. Uh, and then ultimately dying at such a young age. I mean, he was what I think thirty-two or thirty-three yeah. when he passed, and it was like completely out of the blue. The dude was in a movie meeting for the big release of uh, Enter the Dragon. Yeah, right. He was in. in it, it, he worked all this time and putting all this stuff together for Enter the Dragon was in a final meeting for it. Uh, was complaining about a headache and then went back to his hotel or went back to his place or whatever, fell asleep and never woke up again. Yeah. Just, just I mean, it was a really, really good story. If you get a time to, very to watch eye-opening. it. Very, very eye-opening. Very, very eye-opening. I love 30 for 30. Yeah, definitely is something that we want to continue to watch. Um, you know, kind of running down real quick, a few other of the, the stories coming out this past week. Uh, NBA, their league's board of governors and the players union approved a 22-team Eight game wrap up of the regular season. So basically, all the teams that were, you know, potentially had a shot. Yeah. That's who's going to be involved here. Um, and you're going to have a play in tournament for the eighth seed and the playoffs, uh, which will resume the 20, 2019 2020 season. They're expecting to start that on July 31st. Uh, and they're going to do it all in one place. They're going to do it at the Walt Disney World ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex right yeah. down there in Orlando. Good. There are abilities for them to have potential fans there. Um, I heard, Maybe. That, I heard that some teams were trying to get their courts transferred down to Disney. So they can play on their home court. So they can play yeah. on their home court or whatever. It's uh, kind of crazy to me. But if you're not playing in front of fans, like I think 
the whole home court advantage thing just goes out of the out of the window. I get yeah. it that maybe there's some well, differences in texture and and the thickness and things. And of, let's be real, the Florida humidity is going to play with that all day. Oh long. yeah, a hundred percent. It's going to it's going to mess with it. So it really plays plays no role in this. I'm excited for it. I'm glad the NBA is still being going to be able to salvage a season again. I love playoff playoff atmosphere sports in general, but. When you talk about the NBA playoffs, I do think the NBA playoffs are a little uh, a little longer than they need to be. They feel like they they are about just as long as a regular season. Uh, but the NBA and the NHL, they're both exciting, especially when they get down to those last couple teams, the Final Four per se. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. So I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, definitely excited. You want to hit the last story? I don't, I don't even want to. So I, you know story. what? I, kind of sad. Yeah, it was it was pretty sad. Uh, Donald Caldwell. Uh, who played in the NFL, played seven season uh, as a wide receiver, had a big career at the University of Florida, obviously, you know, one yeah. of your favorite uh, universities. Killed I didn't his, want to talk about it. Killed in his hometown of Tampa, Florida on Saturday night. Uh, his mother confirmed the TMZ. I didn't read the details on how he died or whatever. He's only 41 years old. I know he played with the Patriots for a few years. Uh, wasn't a big-time wide receiver, but he was no. definitely a good contributor on a couple of uh, Super Bowl teams, so – uh, yeah, sad, sad news, man. It's crazy. Sad news. There's still still questions, you know, coming out. Potential ideas of gang related. Yeah, Was it right. related to the protest? Out? Like it. There's just there's so much, so many questions, and that's why there's there's not a lot of details surrounding this at all. No. And now it's time. Two-minute warning. All right, Scott. It's time for the two-minute warning. There's going to be a kind of common theme <laughs> to the two with warning. tonight's two-minute warning. Is uh, UFC just got off of their what episode or not episode, but uh, pay-per-view event two fifty? Yeah. All right. All right. So I'm going to open it up with you, Amanda Nunez. Absolutely dominated Canadian fighter Felicia Spencer at UFC 250. I'm going to ask you flat out. Is Nunez the greatest woman UFC fighter in its history at this point? It's up there, right? This girl is nonstop. She could be one of the greatest fighters in history. She's 13 and 1. She has amazing numbers. Let's just talk about eight title fights, and she's won them all in the UFC. Eight. One submission, four KOs or TKOs, two unanimous decisions, and one split decision. This girl is unstoppable, but I just don't know if she plays a bigger role in this sport as Ronda Rousey or Cyborg. I think you're completely off base. I think 100% she's the most dominant fighter in UFC history. When you watch her fight, I think she could line up against a few men and beat men at this point. She she is so physically dominating. Listen, this girl, Felicia, that, that she went against... Is no, is she's she's a very very good technical fighter, and she had yeah. a good start to her career. I think she was like eight and one or eleven and one to start her career. This chick is hands down the best fighter. Now I do think Ronda Rousey had the bigger financial impact for the UFC, but I yeah. think Nunez is the better fighter. So right after the fight, Conor McGregor can't keep his freaking mouth shut. Decides that he's going to announce his retirement now for the what third time again? Again, <laughs> is it for real this time? He's getting up there. The the pay isn't there as it is right now because you don't have the draws. It's all pay per view based. 
I think you could this this could be a retirement for him from the UFC. He's made enough money and he he's got so many different back end deals. I'm sure he could be set for his career. Yeah, I, listen, maybe he's retiring from the UFC for good, but. I did see Conor McGregor, or not Conor McGregor, I saw uh, Floyd Mayweather make some comments on social media, kind of daggered towards Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor isn't done. He's still a money guy, first and foremost. He's going to get money. Does he go back to boxing, and does he fight Floyd Mayweather again? Possibly, because there's a lot of money to be made in it, but maybe this is it for Conor McGregor? Seriously doubt know. it, though. Seriously doubt it. <laughs> All right, Scott. Hey, we did pretty good tonight. We only, an hour and a half show. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Cut down. Appreciate everybody out there on Facebook tuning in. Sorry to everybody on Twitter and YouTube for uh, the technical difficulties, but go after Restream. Nothing on our end. Yeah, tweet tweet Restream. <laughs> Tell them that your Damn show went down. Guys. Appreciate it. Uh, all right. Make sure you guys always check us out on our website, www.birdlandbs.com. While you're there, you can check out all of our episodes, learn about each of us, and obviously get yourself some Birdland BS gear. We've always got it on. We appreciate you guys also leaving some comments there, leaving some reviews. We'd greatly appreciate that anywhere on any of our, our platforms. Visit us BigPlay.com, BigPlay Twitter page, download the BigPlay app. Also, BirdlandSports.com. We partner with both those guys. Obviously, our social media accounts, at BirdlandBS, is how you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat. Like, follow, subscribe, and share while you're there. If you want to follow us individually, at FredBLBS, at ScottBLBS, at Bartender underscore Blake, make sure you do that. ASAP. Now, do it now. Do it now. (laughs) As always, be sure to check out the audio version of this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, you name it, that we're there. Check us out. Thanks for tuning in. As always, we'll be back next Tuesday night, 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. From Fred, bartender Brian, who had to step out and is somehow back in the chat room again, (laughs) and myself. We'll see you guys next week. See ya.